Well, good morning and welcome to Lakeside Christian Church. Good morning and welcome to Lakeside. We're glad that you're here with us this morning. Uh, last week, uh, as a way of one of the things that we've been missing in this time of not being together is hearing one another's voices. We all together said the call to worship in reciting a psalm together, and we're going to do that again. Uh, we've heard the safest thing we can do is talk at a talking voice, and uh, for those of you who are here and you are concerned about your own health, the, the song that we will sing all together will be at the very end, and so when we invite everyone to stand and sing, if you would prefer to be outside at that point, it won't distract or disrupt any of us uh, for you to do that. Uh, but together, we will read from Psalm 34. It'll appear on the screen above the first nine verses. Would you say this with me? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Michael and David are going to play a song for us that we'll be able to listen to and have a moment of reflection. It's called Anchor. Your word a 
Say amen in clapping. <laughs> in this unique season, we've sought to keep track of how people are doing and the ways that we could pray for one another and to share that with each other. Uh, two times, uh, our sister Annie Rubick did fall at home uh, that I'm aware of. It could have ended up being more than that. So we shared an update this past week that the family is seeking to place her into a nursing home. And once they do that and she gets approved, she will be on a 14-day mandatory quarantine that even family will not be able to visit her, but she will be able to receive cards and notes. So when we do know that she is admitted into the nursing home, uh, we will update you um, because that would be a great time for anyone to send uh, cards or notes. They're always welcome. Uh, if you send them to her house right now, she'll get them. Uh, but especially once she's placed there, uh, it would be a joy for her to receive them. And we did hear that Vera Pfeiffer is doing well and recovering after her surgery this week. And then there was a voicemail on the phone when I came in this morning from Tom Pfister uh, that he has uh, an aortic valve procedure this week that we want to pray for. And Sue came home after four months of being hospitalized. So this past week she did come home, but she is very weak after that prolonged hospitalization. So your ongoing prayers for Sue uh, would be greatly appreciated. Uh, all of you have been very patient and kind to us in this unique period, and none of us know what the future is, and none of us know what changes will be coming or new mandates might be implemented, and so patience will be needed as we go forward in whatever the future is for all of us. Uh, but we did, one of the things we discovered in sending videos to the church was I think the video that got watched the most was the one that had the worst audio. Uh, it was the first one we made saying that church was canceled, and I think you had to try to play it like 10 times before you felt like you heard everything, and so then everyone doing that made it like our most watched video because the audio was really, really bad. But in that, we also discovered that YouTube itself usually provides a closed captioning option so that uh, we don't add it. They just simply offer it, and so you can click the, co the closed captioning, and then if you can't hear, you can read what's being said. Well, then in one of the videos, I had our youngest, David, uh, say the Lord's Prayer, and we included the audio. And I got an email a day or two later that said, you need to rewatch that with the closed captioning. Uh, because the closed captioning did not pick up exactly what he was saying in the Lord's Prayer. So it's really brief, but I thought I'd show you what the closed captioning thought my son was saying when he was saying the Lord's Prayer. So we were impressed. <laughs> we were impressed as parents that he could say it, and then we realized there's maybe a little bit more work to do in, in enunciation for the closed captioning to work appropriately. But the Lord's Prayer is another opportunity for us uh, to pray together uh, when we're confronted with things that we're not even sure what's going on or what's going to happen. And, at times we feel at a loss for words of what to pray. We have this gift of a prayer that Jesus gave his disciples. And so would you join me in praying it? And then afterwards I'll continue in prayer over some of the needs of the members in our church. So join me in praying. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are a God faithful in every season, that in our time of isolation, when many of us felt alone or disconnected, that you, through your Holy Spirit, were present with each and every one of us, that we could call upon you, that as the psalmist invited us to taste and see that the Lord is good, in so many of the hard realities that we have endured, we can testify that you have been faithful and good, that we can trust you, uh, that you are never changing, um, that when things seem confusing or unclear or hopeless, you always offer new life and hope and grace for all of our needs. We do pray for our sister Annie that you would uh, make it possible for her to be in a facility where she can continue to enjoy uh, the, the company of others, to share so much of the wisdom that we have been the beneficiaries of, um, but to have it also in a safe place where she can be monitored and cared for uh, by others on a regular basis. And so we do pray that you would make it possible for her uh, to be in the Ritman Nursing Home uh, in a place where she would know others and have people who, who know her and love her taking care of her. Uh, we thank you for watching over uh, Vera and her doctor appointments this week, and also Jim saw one in the additional uh, testing that he received, and just ask that you continue to provide wisdom and insight uh, on ways to heal and mend uh, their own bodies. And we also lift up Tom and Sue Fister. We thank you that Sue is home, but as we know that she is weak at this moment, we pray that you would be her strength, and that you would uh, enable uh, the family to be a support system, and as uh, our own church provides meals and just cares in whatever practical ways that they can. Uh, we want to ultimately love like you do. And for Tom's procedure this week, we pray that you would watch over the doctors so that he can be restored to full strength and just continue to care for Sue in all the ways that he desires. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, we're also uniquely blessed on this Sunday to have uh, with us from Ukraine. They came a few weeks ago, uh, but on a short trip to take care of a few uh, items here where now for Scott and Oksana, two of their children are planning to move and that requires them to be here and to help with the family and also to help Scott's own parents move this week uh, within Ohio from Wadsworth to Medina this Wednesday. And so they've been here for a little while and they called and said, we'd love to be at church. Are you having church? And I said, yeah, we started back last week. It'd be great to have you. So what you're seeing here is uh, just a screenshot of our website. On our website, we have a list of all of our local and global partners so that if you want to get more information about any of our missionaries or to also be added to the email that they send out, Scott and Oksana send out an email monthly that includes updates on the ministry with pictures of what's going on. You can be on that email uh, just by going onto their website and then contacting them, uh, and then they'll add you to that as well. But Scott and Oksana, if you would come, it's great to have you with us, and we'd love just for both of you to share uh, from your own heart. So, okay, you first. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Pastor Peter. Um, when, I, when I heard Peter saying the Lord's Prayer, my mind immediately went back to the last time that I heard him share the Lord's Prayer, and that was when we were together in Israel, our families, up on the Mount of Olives in a little olive grove at the Potter Noster Monastery overlooking the Kidron Valley in Jerusalem. And we were there with, uh, with Peter and Amy and their children and Amy's parents, and um, I can remember... I can remember saying the Lord's Prayer up at that place where Jesus w w sat with his disciples and, and taught them, and uh, just really special memories. But I can't tell you, we can't tell you how excited we are to be able to see you all today. Didn't know if we'd have that chance. We're just here, we've been here for a week, and we're going to be here for a little less than a week now. Um, David and Dasha are our two oldest, and they are kind of getting ready to take some big steps in their life. David's going up to Alaska where my brother lives as a, a missionary pilot, and he's going to be working at an airport up there. Dasha's getting ready to go to college this, this fall, so we're kind of helping them get settled in, and we, I know they would appreciate your prayers. They've grown up in Ukraine on the mission field, and now for the first time, I mean, this week was a big week for them, getting like their first, their bank accounts, set, you know, getting... Um, 
things set up for their lives, you know, as they're getting ready to step out on their own. And so I know they want God's wisdom and direction, and we're just so excited that they're seeking the Lord and putting God first in their lives. Um, and just pray that as they kind of make that transition from being missionary kids to life here in America, and they will be coming back, and they, they still have, David's uh, all week long been on the uh, FaceTime with his friends in Ukraine and fellowshipping with them. Dasha's been doing the same with her friends. So they, they appreciate your prayers as they make this adjustment. But we're also here to help them as well as my parents. I know many of you have been praying for my dad um, who uh, was diagnosed with a brain tumor last fall. And the, um, the diagnosis was, of course, very, very serious. Uh, it was in, inoperable, but he did have radiation procedures to try to slow down the growth. But the doctor said it's just to slow it down. There's nothing we can really do. But he had an MRI this past week. And the results were incredible. Uh, they said there is not only has the tumor diminished, but there's just no sign of any life at all that the tumor's uh, even active anymore. Uh, and so we've been praying for a miracle, and we've been asking the Lord to touch my dad, and I know many of you have as well. And so continue to do that, but we just want to give God glory and rejoice. My dad wanted me to know how grateful, to tell you how grateful he is for all of your prayers. I mean, from the very moment he was uh, in the hospital, Pastor Peter was stopping by and having prayer with him and encouraging him, and many of you were surrounding dad with, and mom with your prayers and encouragement, and God is really hearing those prayers, and my dad has hope. He's trying to do some exercise. I've, I've even had him down yesterday doing some push-ups and things, trying to get some of his mobility back because uh, of what the brain tumor's done. But they're moving this week, and so we came just at a time when we're packing boxes, we're getting things moved to their new house in Medina where they're moving to help my grandpa out, who's 91 years old, who also just yesterday, early yesterday morning, fell and broke his leg. So he's in the hospital right now, and there's just a lot of things going on, but my mom and dad are trying to uh, get into a house where they can be helping him, and uh, they're going to be moving to Medina. And so Scott, that's kind of why we're home right now, to help our kids and to help my mom and dad make this transition. And Scott, can I add to yes. that real quick? Because I'm remembering as you're sharing about your dad's now great health update. So Scott made a quick trip in December because his dad was not doing well. And we had a hymn sing uh, that Andy Hobson organized on a Sunday night. And Scott and Mick came. And Mick coming and lifting his arms in worship as we were singing songs was so humbling oh, and moving because he also looked so weak and no one knew what his prognosis was going to be. So to hear now, six months later, of how he's doing, uh, it is amazing. And so that's another thing that we should thank God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And after that hymn sing, um, many of you men gathered around my dad and laid hands on him and prayed for him and just cried out to the Lord. And I believe we're seeing the answer to God's prayer right now in his life. And just we're just so thrilled and grateful for God's goodness. He is a wonderful, wonderful God. And for every day in, of health and strength that he gives my dad, we're just rejoicing in the Lord and trusting him for the future. Um, but in Ukraine right now, we've had a lot of the changes that and adjustments that you're having here. This is new territory for all of us. And um, so we're trying to get used to a new normal. A lot of our plans have had to change. A lot of things in our lives have had to change, but I'm gonna kind of let Oksana share a little bit about some of that. That is true. Um, a lot of changes happened in our life, in our ministry in Ukraine, and a lot of disappointments. So we had to adjust. We cried out to the Lord, and I feel like the Lord's been helping us to be positive in spite of the spirit, uh, negative and spirit around us. Uh, one of the projects that we wanted to do, and you raised money for it, was a musical outreach. And we were so excited about it. It was supposed to happen in May, but as you know, everything got canceled. And yes, you blessed us with funds for that project, and we were, we are very, very grateful to you. So as we were dealing with that disappointment, we found out that there is a lady in our village who is not able to function because she's blind and I mean she can see we usually walk her to church we give her rides we help her out 
but she is elderly widow who needed help. And so with your funds, we were able to get cataract surgery done as soon as restrictions were opened, and she had that surgery a month ago. And it's exciting to see that she is able to gain her strength and gain her mobility because of the improvement. So you've made a difference in her life. Also, we um, were contact, uh, contacted by an organization who is working with special need children, and they are having a special camp for those children uh, not far from us. It's three and a half hours away from our village, and they are having this camp at the Azov Sea, at a beautiful facility, and they ask us um, to help them financially with that camp. And so we are using that those money that you raise um, to help with this camp. The children that are going to this camp have special needs. They're in wheelchairs. They're not able to even move on their own. Um, one of their, or even two parents, are coming to this camp with them. Um, most of those kids are not from Christian homes. So this is a wonderful opportunity to minister, not just to those kids, but to their parents. And so we are so delighted that you helped with finances, and now we are able to help that uh, special camp. Um, our daughter, Diana, who is 17, will be also traveling to this camp, and she will be helping out uh, there. So thank you for loving us. and blessing us and we are so glad to be here and I wanted to share just some things that the Lord's been teaching me as we've been living in Ukraine and ministering to people who do not know Christ so many times we are disappointed because we do not see the fruit we desire to see you know so many times and so many uh, we prayed for so many years for so many people around us, but we don't see that spiritual awakening. And sometimes for us, it's a struggle. It's very difficult. But recently, the Lord gave me an encouragement and showed me that I should thank him for the way we've been ministering to those people. We opened our home to so many unbelievers we invited them, we made meals for them, and we introduced them to prayer. People in Ukraine, majority of them, never have been in church. They don't know anything about prayer, and they never even heard prayer before the meal. Over here, even when we get together with unbelievers and we say, we are going to pray before the meal, everybody knows what that means. In Ukraine, it's a different story. We actually have to explain to people what we are doing, how we are thankful to God for provision, and how we want to honor God in every single aspect of our life. And a lot of times people look at us and they say, so what are we supposed to do? You know, it is exciting because we are introducing people to prayer, to the concept that they never heard of. And so it's wonderful because there are several families that have been to our home several times, and now they got it. After we pray, they say out loud, amen, and we rejoice in that. So yes, sometimes we don't see the fruit of our ministry as we want to, but I feel like we need to rejoice in the fact that God is working in the hearts of people. It's been my dream to have a family restaurant for a long, long time. So I feel like our home turned into a restaurant. <laughs> we have people over, our kids love to help. We introduce people to hamburgers, lasagna, brownies, chocolate chip cookies. Now, I. I'm losing two of my helpers, but I still have four at home. So it sounds like missionaries of American culture, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? People over there, they love to try new things, and then they, of course, ask for recipes. So thank you for praying for us. Thank you for enabling us to minister 
We deeply, deeply appreciate and love your church. And I just read in Philippians 3 where Paul says, God's awesome power is able to subdue or subject all things, coronavirus, terrible circumstances that are beyond our control, all things to himself. He's able to subject all things to himself. And then the next verse says in, in chapter four, verse one, therefore stand fast in the Lord. And I think that's what God's calls to all of us. He's able to, to make all these things subject to himself. So let's stand fast in him and be faithful, whether we're in, in, uh, here in Akron or whether we're in Ukraine. Uh, as I visit churches, as I visit pastors, I was just speaking at a pastor's conference uh, two weeks ago. People come up to me and they say, Scott, Thank you that your family is still here with us, even though we're, we're going through all this in our country right now. Thank you that you guys haven't just cut off and left us, that you're still here. It just keeps us Ukrainians encouraged that your family is standing fast in the Lord here. So you're the ones that are enabling us to be on the mission field, and we are deeply thankful to you. So God bless you, and thank you. Yeah. Amen. Before you step down, yeah. it'd just be great for us to pray for you. So. Would you join me in a time of prayer now for the Sobies? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Scott and Oksana and their family. Uh, we thank you that for part of this trip is to realize a new phase in their own lives where uh, they have kids who are uh, now adults and moving into new environments. So we do pray for David and all that needs to take place for him to resettle in Alaska and pray that you would go before him, that you would protect him uh, and that you would just continue to excite him with all the things that you're going to do through him and as Dasha enrolls in Bible school in Cincinnati we pray for her as well if she gets settled there any anxiety that uh, they would have about being away from Scott and Oksana and their siblings we just pray that you would uh, help them to sense your Holy Spirit with them and we know it's a loss and a grief uh, for the kids that are back at home that they love their brother and sister and so they still want to be with them and so we trust that you're sufficient for that, that they can be honest about that. They can cry and grieve and know that that's okay uh, and trust that you are sufficient. You're the one that holds all of their tears and, and knows uh, their own hurt, but that you have great things for them as well. And I, I do thank you for the way that Scott and Exxon have been able to share about how they've had to pivot in their ministry and the ways that none of us here could have known that generosity on the part of so many would lead to a cataract surgery for a woman or helping uh, kids we've never met with special needs attend a camp. But we just thank you that you are the one who can always do above and beyond all that we ask or think. And so we do pray that you would help the Sobies and all of us to stand fast in our faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you very much for being with us. If you brought a Bible, we're going to read from the letter of 1 John chapter 2. If you didn't, we're going to put the verses up on the screen to follow along as well. But 1 John chapter 2, we're going to read the first 17 verses. Uh, this is a series that we started last week called God is Light and God is Love. And these are the two themes in 1st and 2nd and 3rd John, as John was this follower of Jesus, this disciple who saw him up close, and as he now summarized for anyone of us who didn't have that experience to walk with him and to talk with him, to say, this is what he's really like. He is light, and he is love. And he's trying to help us know what is the difference between something that is fake or superficial and something that is real. And then John is also trying to help the church determine that about themselves because now the church has been around for a while and some people who used to be a part of it and they used to say, along with everyone, that Jesus was the Messiah are no longer saying that they believe that Jesus is the Messiah and they're no longer joining them in worship. And some of the believers are having a hard time interpreting that. What do we do with that? When someone said for so long that this is what they believed, and now they say they don't believe it anymore. And so John is writing to the church to help them with that reality, how to, how to process that. What is real? What is fake? What is superficial? How can we know? Um, early April, I got an email from our local AA baseball team, the Akron Rubber Ducks, and it said, opening day at home watch the Akron Rubber Ducks take on the, I don't remember who they took on, but I was kind of surprised. I was like, wait a minute, everything's canceled. There's not a game, is there? 
But it, the email like made it feel like a game was happening and our family likes going to a rubber ducks game when we can. And, and they said there was going to be fireworks after the game. And I was like, there's going to be fireworks after the game. This, are they playing this somewhere that they're just going to video and we're going to get to watch? And it was hard to know, and so I didn't know how to build up the expectations of the boys, but I was like, hey, there's something we might be able to watch. And so we watched, and I realized, okay, this is all a simulation. But they took the time to record it all new, and they had commentators talk over what is the equivalent of basically a video game being played. But they spent, clearly, a lot of time and effort putting this on. But as I'm watching, the whole time we're watching, like one, someone would lean over and be like, but this isn't real, right? But this isn't real. This isn't really happening. Because in between innings, an ad would come up, and it was from a local company talking about something now. I mean, everything about it gave it this sense of real. And they even made it a really boring baseball game. Like, the, it was like one to zero by the eighth inning. And I was like, they're even trying to keep it like a normal, you'd go get another hot dog at this point in time. Like, there's not a lot of action happening. But then I was like, but wait, this is fake. So we should win this game. Right? They're not going to go to all this trouble producing a game and we not win. And then sure enough, we have a great eighth inning and we won the game at the end and there was fireworks. And I was like, okay, that'd be terrible if we sat through this uh, for the whole thing and then they simulated uh, a loss. But it was, uh, it was fun to see from them how much effort was put into it to say, is this real or is this not? And John is trying to help anyone who's heard something about Jesus and wondering, is he the real deal? Can you really trust him? Did he really mean what he said he meant? And we have to settle on that. That's the most important thing before then we wrestle with, are we really following him or not? Are we really trusting him or not? And so that's what this letter gets to. And we're going to read the first 17 verses of chapter 2 in 1 John. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away. The true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you're strong and the word of God abides in you. You've overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And this will conclude our reading for this morning. But in summarizing last week, in verse 5, John had said that this is the message we've heard, and to summarize it, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So part of the good news that we talk about is the good news that God is good. The good news includes the truth that God is good. John wants that everyone to know that about Jesus, that when you do look at him up close, he was the same person in private that he was in public. He treated strangers with the same hospitality that he treated friends. He spoke about 
righteousness and holiness, whether he was talking to the religious leaders or the people who'd felt left out and excluded. He was good, consistently good, all the way through in everything that he did. And we believe he was the exact representation of the Father. And it's good for us to know that because when things are happening bad in the world that we don't understand and we're puzzled by, we start to wonder if this is all happening. Is God good? Does God really love me? Does he care about us if we're going through certain things? And John experienced many hard times with Jesus and many hard times after Jesus was gone. But he came to and held on to the fact that God was good and he needed to know that especially when, for many of these believers, they'd lost some friends, they'd lost some people they knew, some people that they had trusted, they realized they couldn't quite trust as much. And that made them all a little bit nervous about what can you really know about anyone and who can you really trust? And he was saying to them, what you need to know for sure is that God is good. And it is good news to know that God is good and to never doubt that. Because so many times in our lives, experiences will come that will question that in our minds. Is God really good? And that's, it's a test for all of us to consider what it is that we really believe, even when the things around us aren't reinforcing it. Uh, as a young person, I actually lived in a lot of different houses growing up. So the house that I live in right now, I think Amy and I are at 15 years living there. That's the longest I've ever lived somewhere because we moved around a lot growing up. Uh, my dad would, uh, with a cousin of his, usually build a house uh, as an investment, and then that house would go for sale. And if it sold, we stayed. But if our house sold, we moved. And so I never left the school district that I was in, but I think I was in six to seven different houses from a newborn up until graduating high school. And so one of the experiences for me of moving regularly was when you move into a new place and you don't know where any of the light switches are. Like, it takes a little while before you're... Eventually, you just remember and you know exactly, like, how to reach, or is it up here, or is it across the room? But when you're in a new place and you don't know where any of the light fixtures are, and even if it's the same furniture, it's all in a different arrangement, so you don't know exactly how it's all set up from place to place. So when you can't see and you don't know where the furniture is, you just are hoping that you can remember as quickly as possible where the things are. But eventually you do. And that for me was always this way of kind of realizing, I think this is starting to feel like home. This new house is starting to feel like home because I think I know where everything is even when I can't see it. I just remember what it's like. And I, for me, that's a helpful way to even think about my faith. What do I believe about God is true even if everything around me is really shaky right now. I'm not sure what I can know or trust. I'm not sure what tomorrow's gonna be. When everything else seems uncertain, what can I come back to and say, though it feels really, really dark in here and I don't know, I can't see where anything is, what, what can I hold on to that I won't doubt, that I feel at home in, in my faith? There are plenty of things that I, I used to believe that maybe I think a little bit differently now, and that's a part of growth for all of us. But what are some of the things that we need to hold on to forever and never change, and we especially need to hold on to them in times of uncertainty? And for John, as he's thinking that through, helping all of us remember that God is good, that he is light, even when it all looks like darkness around us, is something we really need to hold on to. Because otherwise we'll start to wonder if he isn't good and if he's not good and I think he's mad at me and quickly it just spirals into a we're pretty afraid. We're not likely coming to him in prayer and asking him for things because now we're just questioning who he is. And John had reminded everyone that God is light. He is good. We can trust him. And therefore he opens this chapter by saying, so I'm writing all this to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone does sin, to know that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. And many times, uh, there'll be words added as a helpful summary. And so, Jesus Christ, our Savior, or Jesus Christ, our Lord. But here, John again puts, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus Christ, the one who is good and always good. Good in everything he does. He's your advocate. He's my advocate. 
Jesus never desires anything for you that is for your bad. He is never tempting you to despair. He never wants you to hate yourself. He is good. He is righteous. And he's your advocate. And all that he wants for you is what is good. That's how he loves you. And John wants everyone to remember that. Yes, Jesus Christ, our Savior, and Jesus Christ, our Lord. And yes, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He was righteous in everything that he did and how he lived his life. And when we look at it, he never sinned. And that's where John then uses this word. Because he never sinned, he was the propitiation for our sins. He was the spotless lamb. He was the perfect one who could be a sacrifice and satisfy the wrath of God on our behalf. He could do that because he was righteous. And because he's righteous, he now advocates for you and for me only for what is our good. He's never trying to trick us. He's never trying to deceive us. He speaks truth to us. That truth isn't always truth that we want to hear, but he's never trying to trick us. (laughs) He loves us. He's good. And it's good news for us if we believe that that is the case. And when we remember how important it is that Jesus Christ is righteous, then what John is saying is in our love for him, in our willingness now to follow him, we should desire to become increasingly good ourselves. If if part of the good news is that God is good, that Jesus Christ is the righteous one, now our following him should be desiring to be good like he is. Because if it's good news for us that God is good, it's the best news for our neighbors if we're good. It's the best news for our spouse if we're good. It's the best news for our kids if we're good. If we can walk around and say, I'm not trying to trick you. I don't want to harm you. I only want to do what is for you and for your good and your best. Then the people around us can feel safe. They can rest in that. They can relax in the good news that when they're with us, even if they're stuck with us for three months of quarantine, that what we desire for them is only what is good. And so the way that John describes this is walking as he walked. This is in uh, verses five and six. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way that he walked. So the good news that God is good invites us to live as he lived. The sense of walking around, walking as he walked, is just that living like he did. Not just being like Jesus when he was in the synagogue, and so when we're at church, we're trying to figure out how to be like him. No, no, no. How to be like him everywhere. In the marketplace, in the synagogue, when we're with strangers, when we're traveling, he's inviting us by his grace to experience his goodness to become like him. One of the ways I'm always challenged when I think about this is sometimes in my mind when I think about the goodness of heaven and that there will be no tears and no pain and I think of what I'm looking forward to in the reality of heaven, how often do I say, I am so looking forward to the day when I no longer struggle with sin? What a day that will be. (laughs) Many times I can think, what a day that will be, and it will be a great day when there's no disease and maybe other people doing things that cause problems in my life. But how often in my own heart do I say, God, I just can't wait till I'm not tempted in the ways I'm tempted, till I'm not as selfish as so many times I choose to be. I already know my life right now would be so much better if I didn't struggle with all those things. I can't imagine living in a world where no one struggles with those things where we just all celebrate what's going on in each other's lives and there's no envy and there's no greed and there's no materialism and we're just genuinely happy for one another and the good things that come in our lives. Well, Jesus lived that way while he was on earth and we can start to live that way now. None of us will do it perfectly and John's careful to say, if any of you say you're doing that perfectly, you're a liar, get out. No one believes you. No one's doing this perfectly yet. But we should all be desiring it we should all long for it. It should be the mark that we're all trying to reach. That yes, God has saved us by his grace, not because of our works. But his grace in us wants to work 
wants to affect how we live so that we become increasingly like him. And if we live as he lived, that means we will love as he loved. Uh, There's no way to separate those two things. And so at the end of what we read, when he says, do not love the world and the things in the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Say, wait a minute. At the beginning, it said that Jesus was the propitiation for the sins of the whole world. And in his gospel, John summarized that by saying, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And now he's saying, don't love the world. Which one am I supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to love like he loves. He loved the world by choosing to do everything that was necessary to save it and redeem it. He didn't love the world by coming to the world and saying, don't worry about that. It doesn't really matter if you keep sinning. It doesn't really matter if you keep lying to your, uh, to your partners. It doesn't really matter if you're mean or cruel. That's not how Jesus loved the world. He was this amazing person that somehow everyone felt comfortable to come to him. Whatever their previous lifestyle was, whatever their background was, whatever their struggle was, Jesus was approachable to everyone. And yet Jesus excused the sin of no one. Everyone he invited into a new way of life. Everyone he said, die to yourself and follow me. Everyone he said, take up your cross and follow after me. And that's how he loved them. And he wants us to love them in that way too. And that's the hardest balance to have. How could I live in such a way that people would feel comfortable to tell me anything about their lives? They would approach me about anything. But they would also come because their desire would be to grow, would be to change. To not have me lie to them and say, well, it just doesn't matter that that's happening. But to say, no. God loves you. He cares about you. And in his love for you and me, he wants us to be different. He wants us to be better because that becomes good news for us, good news for our families, good news for our neighbors, good news for our community. And so it's just a single sentence summary of this chapter of this book. But the good news that God is good invites us to live as he lived and so love as he loved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can hear today, even 2,000 years later, a summary from one of your followers about your goodness and your grace, that you can be trusted no matter what, that you're the real deal. You weren't faking it, and you're not asking us to fake it, that you are true and kind. You're not trying to trick us or deceive any of us. You want all of us healthy and whole, restored in our relationship with you, increasingly wise and finding ourselves victorious over sin and the enemy, released and set free from the sins of pride and selfishness to care about other people uh, without concern, without abandon, to just thoroughly enjoy and celebrate in their redemption, in their goodness, in their success. Help us to do that, to be a foretaste of the goodness of heaven here and now, to walk as you walk, to live as you lived, that other people would be able to testify about us. Wow, they really love like Jesus loved. We pray this in his name. Amen. To stand as we sing together before the throne of God above. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. A great high beast whose name is love Whoever pleads and pleads for me My name is graven on his hands My name is written on his heart I know that while in heaven he stands No tongue can bid me
tells me of you're within Up would I look and see him there Who made an end to all my sin Cause the sinless Savior died My sinful soul is counted free God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me to look on him and pardon me behold him there the risen lamb my perfect spotless righteousness the great unchangeable I am the King of glory and of grace one with himself I cannot die my soul is purchased with his blood my life is hid with Christ on high my Christ my Savior Himself, I cannot die. My soul is purchased with His blood. My life is hid with Christ on high. With Christ, my Savior and my God. With Christ, my Savior and my God. Let us go as His children abiding in him and walking as he walked. This will conclude our service. Thank you for being with us. We'll dismiss now from the front row out and then every row thereafter. And we'll be happy to greet you outside.